0: Welcome to the After 30 podcast. I'm your co-host Anis Alipai and today's episode is about healing your relationship with food. We've indulged hard over the holidays. The food, the drink, the sugar, all of it. And now, with a fresh start for 2021, we're both looking to make positive changes to our consumption habits. But even before the holidays, to be honest, through the mess of the last year, the stress and uncertainty, the change to our normal routines has undoubtedly impacted our relationship with food. Overindulging when we're stressed, not having an appetite, eating out of boredom, all of this points to a relationship with food. With us today is Dr. Sabina McAllister-Singwell, food and body coach and founder of the School of Bitchcraft. Sabina will chat with us about how your relationship with food illuminates your relationship with the world, how you can use food as a portal to understanding your deepest fears and desires, and how giving up chronic dieting and finding pleasure in eating is a profoundly countercultural act that ultimately benefits us all. Welcome to the podcast, Sabina. Hi, guys.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Thanks
0: for being here. Happy (laughs) 2021.
1: And same to you.
0: (laughs) Happy New Year. Wow, this is a big one. I'm very excited about this conversation. Me too. I definitely, I've been eating a lot in general. And not to say that I'm upset about eating a lot. I just, my eating habits have changed right mm-hmm. over the course of the year. So I am going to start by saying that I didn't know that I was in relationship with food until somebody actually brought it to my attention. Mm. And it was in conversation and she said to me, "Oh, Anise, I think I have a very healthy relationship with food." And I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, you have a relationship I mean <laughs> I never thought about it like that yeah I never did and it's quite obvious you know there's like things that you love and you know things that mm-hmm. you don't like and mm-hmm. but I just never equated it to something that you can actually be in conversation with
2: mm-hmm. yeah yeah do you rely too much on it are you like mm-hmm. yeah yeah for sure mm-hmm. no that's so true it is mm-hmm. a relationship with food I mean I'm so interested to chat with you about this Sabina because I would imagine a lot of our habits and behaviors and the relationship with food can be quite deep rooted and probably Mm -hmm. started at an early age. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm so emotional a lot of the time. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, this is cool. This is a great one. Okay. So let's start with the idea of understanding that we have a relationship with food. Okay. Mm -hmm. Many of us don't even really know maybe that we do. And so tell us more about how we can sort of unpack and figure out what that relationship is.
1: I mean, you two have already pointed to so many aspects of it. So in the same way that you can have a relationship with a person, we can have the those same kinds of dynamics and stories, like you're saying, with right. food too. The way that we think about food, the way that we act around food, the beliefs mm. that we carry about food all constitute this relationship with it. So right. like Inês is saying, it can we can have a relaxed relationship. We can have an obsessive relationship mm-hmm. that's driven by perfection. We can have a loving relationship or a harmful relationship. And like any other relationship, our relationship with food really can determine so many aspects of our quality of life. Right. So whether we're able to actually like relax and enjoy ourselves and order what we want off a restaurant menu. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Or if we even just are able to enjoy taking food into our mouths and being present for that food. It's a daily thing that we all have to do every day. Or, you know, if we have access to food, it's something we do every day, and it can really enhance or detract from our daily lives. Right?
2: Yeah. I mean, this makes me think of european mm-hmm. french and italian and even spanish i feel like their relationship but culturally i'm sure we'll talk about this more but i feel like culturally it's such a different experience there and it is about that pleasure of food and what mm-hmm. that gives you you know so it's yeah you yeah. whenever you went out right like, whenever I go to it paris it's like i have smaller portions but they're so decadent they're so mm-hmm. incredible and of course like you sit and have a meal and it's a three and a half hour adventure, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's just such a different thing in North America. You feel like we I mean, I'm very overgeneralizing here, but it's just so much more quantity a lot of the time, (laughs) you know? It's Mm -hmm. just like culturally, food is really fascinating to me in that way, especially Mm -hmm. when you're talking about eating and consuming food for pleasure. That makes me feel Mm -hmm. like it's a very European thing to do, (laughs) (laughs) you know?
0: And, you know, I know there's an aspect of also, I think, living slowly, which I think is not possible Mm -hmm. for me. I align with living slowly, but I don't think I really can. So now that we're back into the new year and I'm living in a schedule, Like obviously I'll try to eat at an appropriate time, but definitely on the holidays it was different, which indicates to me that there is an ongoing relationship. It's a dynamic relationship with food.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like you ordinarily approach food in a very like pragmatic way, which kind yeah. of makes sense. Like our capitalist society really is structured in such a way that you do yes. need to like quote unquote normal eaters will be like, okay, I have to go to an appointment at whatever o'clock. I'm not actually hungry. Right now, but I'm just going to go ahead and eat something so that I'm not having like a hangry attack in like the doctor's office or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's not a lot of utility, I think, in fighting against that. Yes. But the stories, I think what we're all talking about here are the stories that we tell ourselves Mm -hmm. around food and the layer of meaning that we laminate over top of food. That's where the really juicy stuff lives. And that's where you can find out so much about yourself by going into those stories and exploring them. So where do
2: we start with that? Like, I love that. Tell Mm, us. Love that. And I don't know how to even cover this in like a 20 minute conversation. But if you're going to try and start looking at that, where can we start?
1: Well, it's so deep, isn't it? So, I mean, Tabitha, you already said like a lot of the beliefs that we have about food we've had from a very young age. And for people who are chronic dieters or who have body image issues, a lot of their stories are going to go back to when Timmy sat behind you in grade three and like called you fat. Or, you know, your mom was like, you want another piece already? You know, you just la la la." (laughs) And
2: do you think that sits somewhere deep in our subconscious? Or do you think that we'll know those things? Do you think you really have to sit with that and spend some time to try and figure out where some of those things come from?
1: So I think some of us have very clear memories of those incidents and especially the sort of family culture around food that you would have grown up with. Undoubtedly, what we're completely unconscious to are more the social messages about diet culture Mm. that we receive every day or that we receive not even about diet culture, but like what women's bodies are supposed to look like, how women's bodies are supposed to perform. We were talking earlier about pleasure. I mean, the idea of a woman being able to actually sit down and enjoy her food. Is like Mm. as wild as a woman being able to just truly enjoy sex for herself, not Mm. because of the way that she looks or sounds or is pleasuring someone else, but like taking on and really owning her own pleasure. People are very uncomfortable by that. Mm, that's incredible. So, and then I think the cultural
2: piece is really interesting because that's so subtle, but it's hitting at us at every angle all mm-hmm. day, every day. And then, yep. of course, you add on social. Like, you know, mm. we know this, but mm-hmm. like you said, it's subtle and constant that it's probably mm-hmm. very difficult for us to put up those barriers to not let it impact us. You know, I'm even thinking yeah. about the men and our men listeners. And like, I know that this year in particular, my husband mm-hmm. and I have gone to not vegan because we consume cheese like it's a main (laughs) food group, but we've been at least having far less meat. And Mm -hmm. I'll tell you for sure, for my husband, that felt like a huge shift for him because for Mm -hmm. him on the male side, it's like male meat, you know, and it's not that obvious. We don't think that maybe impacts us so much, but like you said, it's so subconscious and hits at us all the time constantly Mm -hmm. that it is, it is, Mm -hmm. you know, forming that relationship with food. And like you said, creating Mm -hmm. those stories on what we should and shouldn't be doing. I find Mm -hmm. it so
0: interesting that when you spoke about how exactly what both of you are saying is the story, right? The story that we tell ourselves, the story that's layered into the food and Mm -hmm. how we interact with that story. Can you talk to us a little bit about how that relationship with food illuminates the relationship we have with the world. Like what, how does that connect? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So the person who has influenced my thinking about this the most is Janine Roth, who's been Mm -hmm. writing about this for a long time. She was sort of a a pioneer in the field of intuitive eating. You know, if you experience the world as chaotic, you might be someone who tries to impose a lot of control over your food. Mm -hmm. Okay. And people who try to impose a lot of control over their food often end up being the people who feel the most out of control around food because the body's demands always make themselves felt. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, if you're like... Trying really hard not to eat beige food or whatever is the Mm -hmm. thing that you're doing. There comes a point where all you can see is beige food. It's like coming out around every corner, (laughs) (laughs) and then you break and you capitulate to the beige food, and then you feel guilty, and then it, it starts all over again. And so, Anise, you asked earlier about uncovering that story of food. It really does have to be something because these stories are so they can be so unconscious. It really does get uncovered in a way kind of one meal at a time where you're sitting down with that food and you're uncovering I believe this about this macronutrient or I believe that it's healthy for me or I believe it's unhealthy for me where did those beliefs come from are those beliefs actually serving you Are they actually serving your emotional nourishment? Are they actually serving your physical nourishment? And how do you know? And so it's a story that's worthwhile taking that intentional time to uncover. Yeah, that's cool. And like you said,
2: I'm sure you're not going to do that in one meal. So maybe doing that bit by bit and but spending time breaking that apart. Yeah, I love that. I love Uh that. I love that. Okay, so can we go into, because I'm sure we could talk a lot about the story piece, but I really want to spend a lot of time on talking about then what, how do you reframe some of that? And Mm -hmm. then I'm going to actually ask like a two prong question here. So how do we reframe some of those things for ourselves? But then, Mm -hmm. I mean, you and I are both parents, like we said, how do we try and instill some of these really good behaviors because we know we are shaping Mm. our kids this way. So
1: how do we try and do that as
2: best we can so we're not setting them up for
1: really bad stories? Yeah. I mean, to me as a parent, one of the most important kind of background stories that I want my daughter to grow up with is to have a relaxed relationship with food and to know that having a relaxed relationship with her food is her birthright and that Mm. she can trust her body and trust what her body wants and doesn't want you know there's a real
2: intersection
1: yeah there's a real intersection around consent and food and diet culture and I'm very much about women just feeling really entitled Mm. to their food and I guess to that pleasure piece too for me it's also important as a parent to be having so there's that kind of like wallpaper that I'm trying to raise her with around being relaxed around food. Then there's right. the explicit conversations too, and that's right. you know where the like nutrition conversation can come in and more explicit beliefs. Mm-hmm. But the way that. I think about like health and parenting is to take a super holistic view. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to make every meal just about like, okay, does it have the carbs, fats, and proteins? Does it have lots of fiber? Yeah. Yeah. I mean like the vegetables thing, that's real. That struggle is real. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But also there I mean, if there are parents out there who are genuinely struggling with food and kids, the book that I can recommend, it's by Ellen Slatter and it's called Called Secrets of Feeding a Healthy Family. Okay. Okay. It's a great book that does take this like relaxed attitude that I like and sort of unpacks the whole thing around like little kids all the way through to older kids.
2: I like what you're saying about the trust, trust your body. Mm -hmm. I think that's really, really quite cool because Mm -hmm. it's so true. Okay, Mm -hmm. you just had a pail of ice cream. What is your body telling you Mm -hmm. about that? Was that maybe something you didn't need? Your body will tell you if it doesn't like certain things or if you've had too much and I always find it fascinating watching my two and a half year old eat because Mm -hmm. he's done when he's full he's done and he's like (laughs) no mom I'm full you know and it's like fascinating to me because I'm like man if I paid attention that closely to my body Mm -hmm. I was probably full half an hour ago <laughs> okay, right? like, it's so interesting but okay and then so maybe can you also go back because I know I asked like a pretty heavy two-pronged question there mm. so the other one about going back to us and how we're spending all that incredible intentional time figuring out what some mm. of those stories are mm-hmm. how do we start to reframe some of those for ourselves
1: I think to me in terms of reframing our stories the question is just really about what's serving you So if like you have a story around, you know, beige foods or whatever it is, and you feel like that's serving you emotionally, spiritually, physically, then great, like rock on with that story. I don't think that the intention is to unpack and get rid of every story that you've ever had. I think what there's not a lot of appreciation for among people who are really into health is, for example, the quote-unquote ethnic food that people may have grown up with, or the food that, you know, you ate in your childhood that then gets vilified by diet culture later Mm -hmm. holding on to that childhood story about how it's nourishing and great to eat something that our ancestors have been eating for hundreds of years like that's a beautiful and valuable story that can serve you and kind of be like a ballast in the storm of diet culture that's telling you like don't eat rice for example (laughs) so I think it's about you discerning for yourself what are the stories that serve you and what are the stories that don't and you find that there are stories that aren't serving you anymore like you know timmy called me fat i believed all my life that i'm fat even though i can still fit into clothes that are sold in like straight size stores for example then maybe you want to unpack that because chances are good like that story is not actually serving you and you know exploring life beyond a lot of the quote-unquote health narratives like intuitive eating that can be a valuable place to go i mean for a lot of people intuitive eating is a valuable place to go when they're tired of restriction or chronic dieting or like the endless you know meal plans and all that stuff what do you mean by intuitive eating Intuitive eating is a whole way of eating. For people who are sort of like ready for this, the place to start with intuitive eating is the book called Intuitive Eating (laughs) Mm -hmm. by uh, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Reich. And it's an alternative to dieting. And by dieting, I mean whatever kind of modes of restriction that you're emotionally attached to. It's a way of eating where you listen to your body, you exercise like gentle nutrition, you legalize all foods. And so you don't, you know, no food is held back because of emotional reasons. Of course, some people are always going to hold food back for, say, religious reasons. And it's it's just an entirely different way of eating that cultivates trust with yourself. Hmm, I love it. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. First, you're Mm -hmm. trying to
2: establish, is that story serving you? Mm -hmm. If it is serving you, then it's, okay, great. I can put that into a somewhat healthy relationship camp. I'm just trying to like, Mm -hmm. really, I'm in my Mm -hmm. A-type, you know, mind. (laughs) And then you go like, okay, this is not serving me. I'm trying to think of an example Mm -hmm. other than beige food, because I'm just trying to think of one that my my relationship with chocolate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's a good one. Right. Mm -hmm. I have a very deep... And meaningful relationship with chocolate. Is <laughs> yeah. it a healthy one? Probably not. Do I need to have it as much as I need to? Absolutely not. So I have this relationship that's confusing to me because I enjoy mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. it, you know, I definitely get that pleasure out of it, but then I always will overeat it. And I know that I'm having more than I need. Mm. So that's where in, when I'm trying to look for the help in what you're saying to be like, Not okay, done. what yeah. do I do there? You know? Cause I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah. the story that I have with that is confusing. You know what mm-hmm. I mean?
1: Yeah. The story that a lot of people have about sugar in general is I'm a sugar Addict, And mm. so I have to stay away from sugar in order to like control myself. There's a Venn diagram with sugar, but although it really <laughs> chocolate isn't it the league of its own when it comes to this stuff. I mean, <laughs> I would say Tabitha, definitely part of your story about chocolate is it's not good if I have quote unquote too much or I shouldn't have too much or I shouldn't have any at all today because yesterday I had la la la. So you probably have like several stories in there. Right, right, right. And you're also recognizing like this is something that like I really enjoy and I want to be able to like allow myself not just physically, but to also allow yourself emotionally. So you're not just like putting it in your mouth and kind of just sneaking it past yourself or, you know, sneaking it past your kids mm-hmm. or your coworkers yeah. or whoever. You want to be able to like genuinely enjoy it. And so that might be something where you find that if you try on a new story, like I am allowed to eat chocolate or chocolate is something that I enjoy, and you, you know, allow those other stories to just like have a seat, basically, Mm -hmm. you will find that your relationship with chocolate will change because once you allow it, you give it full allowance to Mm -hmm. exist in your house and exist in your cupboard and exist in your body. It takes the charge out of it. Right, It becomes so much less interesting once you allow it.
2: Yeah, yeah. I totally know what you mean. I totally know what you mean. Mm -hmm. Oh my Mm
1: -hmm. gosh,
2: I love it. And then all of a sudden you're not overeating it and you're not having too much because there's an element where... Yeah, you've allowed it, so you don't. I totally know what you're saying.
1: Uh, yeah, so it becomes like it's really not a big deal. It's just another no big deal piece of chocolate, and, and you, you actually know actually
2: get to the toddler point where you have it, and then you're full. Oh, and you're, you're, 100... you're done with it.
1: Percent, a hundred percent, and you know what? There will be a day when you'll be like, "Oh, mm, I want more. Mm, I want more," and then you like eat a whole bunch of chocolate, and then you feel like shit, and then you're like, "Oh, okay. Well, that happened. Now I'm moving right. on," right, right, right. because you know that like oh. you don't then have to punish yourself, exercise too much, never buy it again, and like feel guilty and all this kind of stuff, you can just be like, oh, that happened. Okay, well, I'll buy my pack that I want to have for tomorrow and just let it sit there and I'll eat it whenever I feel like eating it.
0: Right. I was also thinking about pulling back when you have like a space and time, for example, like we've had a lot of weird pockets of time in (laughs) for the duration of the Mm -hmm. pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. And I was also thinking about the way that I feel and all of the things that come up because it has been a moment where so much we've been invited to go really deep we really have right mm-hmm. and so like to look away from that you're like oh i don't feel like dealing with this emotion let me mm-hmm. just put something in my mouth you know <laughs> or, or let me like, you know what i mean and i feel like that has been very much a part of my narrative for mm-hmm. when it comes to my relationship with food for over the course of the year mm-hmm. so for me it has been about learning to disconnect from the emotion be like okay fine i understand mm-hmm. that you're feeling lonely right now or i understand Stand that you're feeling sad or you're experiencing massive amounts of grief god that was this was a fucking hard year man like the (laughs) amount of emotions that came up right and like i was connecting them all to like oh my god i'm sad i need a cup of tea oh my god i'm sad Mm -hmm. i need strawberries with whipped cream whatever Mm -hmm. it was and so Mm
1: -hmm.
0: i had to create a rift Like literally like Mm. sliced the emotion away from the food. And so for me, it was not about looking at the story. It was just about walking away from both the food and the Mm. story and then coming back to it whenever I was ready. Because it was a lot, Mm. you know? Oh, yeah. It still
2: is. Still, yeah. You're so right. Yeah. You're so, yeah. so, so right. It still is. I know, we're all talking about 2021, like, everything's over, but it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. still in shift for a little while. So, yeah, no, so tell it. I guess, tell us more about that part, which yeah. is huge. Yeah.
1: No, but the emotional piece is huge, and really, at the end of the day, the emotional piece is kind of everything. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, you know, how we handled the pandemic? Like, I guess here's the thing. People like to make a big deal out of emotional eating or, you know, making jokes about like eating your feelings and stuff like that. Sure, sure, sure. Honestly, emotional eating is not that big of a fucking deal. It's (laughs) really, really not. Okay. We think that it is because, you know, we live in a fat phobic society that's like terrified of weight gain. Mm. (laughs) But like, when you think about like all of the coping mechanisms that we can use that are destructive or non-destructive, emotional eating is really ranks low at the mm-hmm. bottom of like, it is not a destructive form of coping. So I think, you know, Ooh. the, the Ooh. despair, yeah, the despair that people felt this year around, you know, I think all of us gained weight this year because Mm -hmm. our routines all got disrupted. Mm -hmm. And like the fact of the matter is that like bodies are amazing homeodynamic energy machines. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our bodies, like for those of us who were able to work from home, I guess I'm not talking about essential workers who were still you know charging out of the house every morning which Mm -hmm. like to me that is a distant memory and i (laughs) i feel (laughs) grateful I i don't have to do that anymore but our bodies are like incredible machines that are always just sort of keeping us in balance and so you know the weight gain that happened that's just like our bodies being smart and being like okay we're like moving a little bit more slowly okay so we're just gonna like hang on to this food especially if we have history of yo-yo dieting or crash dieting oh. or like extreme weight loss then our bodies are like oh, okay great we've got like a little bit extra coming in like we're gonna hold Staturally. on to it yeah amazing so i mean i think that there's to me if there are times when you're like the grief and the sadness of all this bullshit is just bowling me over and i'm gonna have that cup of tea or the strawberries with cream or whatever, like great, go for it. If you are also able to sit with those feelings, like while you're doing it, you know, or later or before, then that's great, too. Because the thing with those feeling is they want to be felt. They do. And if we don't feel them, then we're going to feel them later. And they might be a little bit more painful.
2: And you know what you're saying about that, too, is even if you're sitting there eating and doing this emotional eating that we're talking about, you're still feeling the feelings, you know, like that's, mm-hmm. that part still needs to be had, even if you're snarfing down. Oh, the oh, yeah. So yeah. I like what you're saying. Cause this is such a theme, Sabina, like you're, mm-hmm. I really like this theme of relaxed.
1: Mm-hmm. You're very
2: relaxed for this. And that's mm-hmm. quite nice. You know, that this just, just to even give ourselves this break, you know, to even hear yeah. you say that, I think means a lot for me to hear that. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. we'll feel the same for other listeners that like, Mm -hmm. shit, if you did that this year, it's fine. You know, it's probably, it is like you've said, one of the least destructive coping mechanisms you could have had this year. Yeah. All good. This was a crazy ass year. Yeah. It's going to happen and it's okay. And your body is incredibly smart. Like that's so so lovely to hear that. Honestly. (laughs) so.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. I take so much from that because I am definitely Good. grappling yeah. with it all the time. So thank you yes. for that. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure. Okay, so we are nearing the end of our episode. So typically we have a wrap question, but I think you've kind of answered it. Why do you think giving up chronic dieting and finding pleasure in eating is a profoundly countercultural act that ultimately benefits everyone?
1: I mean, this is kind of what we're saying. Like to be able to understand that You have a right to be relaxed around food and to, like, allow your body to do its thing during a wild pandemic year. The fact that that feels, you know, surprising or, like, out of the ordinary, that just proves that pursuing this path with yourself is, like, critically important. And, yeah, it is, like, profoundly countercultural in this sea of messaging that we normally get around, you know here's how to combat your pandemic weight gain. And you know, it's January now. So of course, the like onslaught of like, diet and weight loss stuff. It's like, it's at its apex right now. And the fact that there is an alternative to relate to your health and your body and yourself in a different way, like, to me, it just it shouldn't be this like surprising alternative. I mean, to me, it should be the mainstream discourse but we're not quite there yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> getting there. We're getting there. Well thank you so much, Sabina. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for this. I think this is gonna be
2: a really nice refreshing conversation and like exactly like you said the sea of a lot of new resolutions and a lot of like let me Mm -hmm. let me get back on track (laughs) kind of Mm -hmm. attitude you know which is all of that is so great and of course that's encouraged Mm -hmm. and and that's if it's like healthy choices and that's awesome but I just think this is this relaxed approach is a really beautiful message to put out there right now too 100%
1: Yeah,
0: that's
1: great thank you both thank you thank you it was great to talk to you thanks
0: everyone thanks Sabi enough for being with us thanks everybody for listening we love you guys